It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Well, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmug, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. The Giants win a 23-16 win over the Las Vegas Raiders at MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And, Paul, a second straight week where the defense steps up and does their part. This time the offense was able to do enough to help get them to win, though. Let's be honest, the defense getting seven points on their own was also a big part of that. So uh, another really good day by the defense. Let me get your overall arcing thoughts on the game before I start diving into some details. Well, I think we'll just keep it for defense right now, and we'll hit offense later because there's enough to talk about with the defense holding the Raiders to one for six in the red zone. I mean, I think that's where we have to start. I mean, I get the McKinney had two picks, and the three takeaways were obviously critical. Nothing more important than I think Roche's strip sack at the end of the game in the red zone. But one for six overall in red zone efficiency for the Raiders. And remember, it's very easy to forget they also missed a 25-yard field goal. Yeah. Okay? True. I mean, the shortest field goal miss in the National Football League this season. Oh, I mean, good job. I didn't know that. Yeah, it that can't. I mean, you're talking a chippy, and and that could have made things a little bit more interesting too. So um, let's just start with that. Now, one thing about defense, and I think it was very deceiving. I have Daniel Carr, uh, De- Derek Daniel, Derek Carr. I reviewed the game this morning. The Giants got a lot of pressure on him. Carr was ten of twenty-three when the Giants got pressure in the pocket. Yeah, and that is a really, really good job. Now, see I now, get Paul. It. Me and you are going to disagree on this, so just be ready for it. I'm warning you. Well, I know. I, I, I don't understand. When we left the stadium yesterday, you didn't think so. I think we have a we have a, a difference of opinion in categories. I think that's where we disagree, uh, because the the, the, the Giants, Giants had, had three quarterback hits. Paul, right, right. There, there are there are multiple categories to a pass rush. There's the sack. They had one. There's the quarterback hits. They only had three. There are hurries, and then there are pressures. Now, the lowest form of a pass rush stat is the pressure. Well, it, well They have 23. Right. Okay. Hurry. No, hurries are better than pressures, John. Okay. See, see, I, I, I use different metrics. Pressures, to me, are, are the combined total of sacks, hits, and pressures. I mean, on hurries. That's, and and that's, that's the total number of pressures. That's, for me, that's called duress. Okay. That's a duress oh, staff. so this is your own like personal thing. This is you... my own personal oh, metric. Okay. Right, this I is not it. a PFF metric. Okay, I, I could it. give a crap what PFF does. <laughs> you know that. It's my own personal metric. The way I define it, a hurry means that you got close enough where you force the quarterback to throw the ball away or to immediately change his intended target because he's so desperate to get rid of the ball. He was hurried. Okay, that's a hurry. There weren't a whole lot of those. There was only a handful of those. Pressure means that he found his intended target, and he may have even thrown the ball to him, but he was flat-footed, off his back foot, or backpedaling when he got rid of the ball because he could sense that there was a guy coming in his face. I'll give you a great example of a pressure, okay? The overthrow in the end zone to Waller. You remember that one? 
Uh, you're you're giving the defensive line credit for that? No, because there was a pressure there. Barely. There was a pr- the pressure. Barely. The pressure. Well, go back and watch the play. Paul, Paul, Paul. Time out. Time out. Time out. If 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 the if the Giants quarterback misses that throw, you're killing the quarterback for missing that throw. No, I'm not. Oh, because the pressure. On. Here's what happened. Go back and look at the video. I did. I know he, Carr didn't have a chance to step into it. The guy had six yards of separation. He, no, but that's that doesn't matter. It's that an doesn't easy matter. Throw, it, oh, all right, we're, we're, well, we got a different definition here of things, and that's why we can't agree on it. And that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. yours. No, that's okay. That's yours. This is mine. It, there's no right or wrong here. It's a different. It's a different fruit we're talking about. But for me, so if people want to know how I watch a game, Carr was flat-footed and sailed the throw because he was flat-footed and could not step into it because the combination of Ragland and Old Jolari had gotten into his windshield. That's why the throw sailed. If they're not in his windshield, he hits Waller for a touchdown. There's no doubt in my mind that that's a touchdown. That goes down as a pressure for me. So that's why I've got Carr as 10 of 23 um, on, uh, on pressures. And I also had him with six quick releases where, and I don't time it with a stopwatch, but six quick throws where they use quick game where you could be a lightning bolt and not get there in time because he got the ball out so quickly. So to me, that was a successful game for the Giants' pass rush, even though they only had one sack and three quarterback hits. I thought they had enough pressures in the game that they did impact Carr. And, and in fact, look at the pick six by McKinney. Now, McKinney jumped the route from center field. But Carr threw flat-footed off his back foot, which allowed the ball to sail and didn't have as much zip on it, which gave McKinney a chance to make the pick. Those are the kinds of – they're small nuances, John, but, you know, that's – look, when you do this for 40 years, this is what you do. I think I know what I'm looking at, and we can disagree on that, and that's fine. Um, Okay, that's fine. Because I thought a lot of the pressure on Carr, too, also came after he was holding the ball in the pocket for about two or three seconds, and it wasn't fast pressure. It was pressure that got there late, but I don't want to. I don't want to get into it's an nuances. argument to start it's the fine. show here. No, it's fine. Um, it's fine. So to me, I, I thought the Giants' defense, the way they played this, was your classic bend but don't break scenario. And you yes. know, if, if you look at the overall numbers here, they gave up more than 400 yards of offense. They only had 250 on their own. Uh, you look at a lot of the eight fewer first downs, 14 fewer plays, or 12 fewer plays. So. If you look at the overarching numbers, you're like, how the hell did the Giants win this game? But they, they, they did a few things well. One, to your point earlier, they won situationally, right? Yeah. They, Las Vegas just one of six in the red zone. Um, they kept them out of the end zone. I don't know if I, – I, they don't track this, but the last time a team had six red zone appearances and scored 16 points, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> It just doesn't. right? You know, the Raiders were moving up and down the field in this game. They just couldn't score touchdowns. Uh, So that was number one. The Giants were very happy to allow the Raiders to just run the football. They got five yards per carry. Giants didn't care. They kept two safeties deep. They played six or seven men in the box. And they said, all right, Oakland, Las Vegas, if you want to keep doing this, go ahead. They did it. Las Vegas, if you want to keep throwing these dump-offs to running backs that gain seven yards a pop, they didn't care about that either. They let them do that. Right. But they were confident they could keep him out of the end zone. They did that. They did not allow one play to go for more than 25 yards in this game. Mm-hmm. The Raiders' longest play was 24 yards. What do we always talk about? Explosive plays, chunk plays, turn into 
touch, uh, turn into touchdowns. The Giants prevented those in the game. Uh, the Giants were better on third down in this game. They were 6 of 12. Yep. And that's including, by the way, two 8-yard conversions and one 7-yard conversion. Daniel and Jones with a nice scramble. Really nice scramble. And those two 8-yard conversions came on the same drive that led to the Giants' field that gave them the lead in this mm-hmm. game. Two critical plays. And then the other part of this, Paul, goes back to the fact if you're going to play that bend but don't break defense and you're going to make other teams sustain long drives against you, eventually... If that's going to work for you, your defense is going to have to come out and make some big plays. And finally, the defense came out and made some big plays. The two McKinney picks, one for a touchdown. Uh, the play right before, by the way, that first McKinney pick, the Ojolari play on that screen pass to hold Jacobs to a two-yard game Sweet. was an unbelievable play. Yep. Without that play, you probably never get the pick on the following play. I think it was a third and seven ended up being on – on, on that McKinney interception for, for a touchdown. So, huge plays. The Roche play at the end, I thought it was the best pass rush by any giant pass rusher the entire game. It, and gorgeous. it happened in the most critical spot mm-hmm. that he got the sack on. So, if you're going to play that way, you not only have to be good situationally, you have to be really good and make a couple big plays along the way to make other teams pay for having those long, sustained drives. The Giants managed to do both those things, which is why they're able to win the game. I'll give you one more really outstanding defensive play, John, that I, I, I can't say enough about it because I think it went unnoticed. Do you remember when the, uh, the Raiders had to settle for that field goal because Logan Ryan made that stop along the far side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big, big play. Yeah, that big, was the uh, that was the tackle on Jacobs, correct? Yep. Yeah, and it's funny. What do you think, Paul? If Jacobs catches that ball and keeps Ooh. going to the sideline, do you think he makes it? I I don't know. It would have been close, right? <laughs> you think? Yeah, because he he thought it was better for him to stop and double back, and that obviously was not the right thing based on where Ryan was. But I'm I'm really curious as to if he would have taken that to the sideline, whether or not he would have been able to get I that ju- first down. I, I, it, it, we'll put it this way. It made me very nervous. <laughs> and the fact that Logan Ryan had him man-on-man, one-on-one, solo tackle, and stopped him in his tracks for a three-yard gain on a third and six. Look, now, Carlson went and missed the 25-yard field goal, so it didn't result in points. But if Jacobs gets that first down, what's the chances the Raiders go in for seven? Oh, no, absolutely. You can't. And, 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 and you know what, John? Aside from the, all the other stuff, I, I want to make it very clear. I did not have the Giants down for, I think, more than, what, four missed tackles all day? Uh, they had some missed tackles in the first half on yeah. running plays. Yeah. But they, they cleaned it up in half number two. You know, um, I, I didn't write down. I wrote down the egregious ones, and I think it was only four that I didn't like uh, that I didn't think there was any excuse for. And that's a really good low number. And the other number, I had zero drop passes. I did not charge Rudolph for the drop. Uh, that was near midfield because, honestly, not only did the defender have his hand in his stomach to knock the ball away, he got there early. No, I don't think that was uh, – no, I don't think that was a drop. I, yeah, I didn't give him a drop, which no. meant the Giants had zero drops in the game. Holy good God. No, that, I agree. That is marvelous. So think about this for a second now. We know, I know how Lance loves to sometimes look at particular numbers and say they're death blow numbers. Zero drops in the game. Four penalties in the game, right? 
and they only gave up two sacks to Jones because one of the sacks was on a Tony wide receiver option. If you could tell me that the Giants will go the rest of the way with four penalties a game, zero drops in a game, and only give up two quarterback sacks in a game, man, that is a trifecta that I would sign up for every weekend for the rest of the season. No, absolutely. The Giants played a much cleaner game than they did than they did against Kansas City. Now, offensively, they made that one big play to Ingram. Thank goodness um, Abram didn't have his feet to really jump for that ball because that could have easily been intercepted it's if a he wasn't stumbling ball, backward. Correct. And, and Ingram made a better play in the ball, and that's why Abram's not known as a coverage guy, and that's why he's more of a run stopper. That's because it. He, because he couldn't make plays like that. Absolutely. Make your play for your quarterback, and Ingram did it. Yep. He made it play for the quarterback. I Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. Uh, and they ran the ball well, uh, well enough. You know, not a lot of explosives, but they were consistently churning and churning and churning. Jones didn't have to do a whole lot. Thank goodness, because if he did, those defensive ends would have murdered him over the course of this game <laughs> because Ikakwe and Crosby were all over the place. Uh, I thought the Giants did a good job of – they didn't do a ton of max protection in this game. They did more spread it out and kind of get the ball out quick, um, which worked for the most part in terms of what they were trying to do. Yeah. But, look, the offense didn't make the mistakes, except for that one strip fumble early, which Jones should not, Jones has to hold on to that ball. Yes, he does. Um, he, it's, it's in his stomach. He's not holding it out. He's not in the middle of the I throw. Agree. He's got two hands on it. That's just something he's got to hold on to. Look, the sack's understandable. You don't feel that guy. I get it. But you have to be stronger with the ball there and hold on Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. You can't fumble that John. ball. Um, but otherwise, look, the offense is what it is. Um, I don't know, Paul, how sustainable this model is every game to, to win consistently well, it depends like depends on this. the matchup. Yeah, I, I just it think. It depends on the matchup. Yeah, it does. Look, the offense just scored 16 points. And that's coming off a week where the offense scored 17 points. You're not going to win many games when you do that, honestly. But. For this game, it worked. The defense made the big plays. You got the defensive touchdown, plus two in turnover ratio. Put all that into the bat, in, in, into the vat, pardon me. And that's a nice, nice win against a good but not great Raiders team coming into MetLife Stadium. Well, they slowed the game down. They played bully ball in the run game. And they ran it whenever they wanted to run it, which is ultimately the number one priority, especially if you're going to play a slow down game. And then I think the other thing that, that is really, really important uh, when we look at this, Galladay didn't put up big numbers, and he didn't look right to me on the field yesterday, John. I didn't see a lot of quickness and explosion from him coming off the line of scrimmage. I didn't watch him a ton. I'll have to do that this week. I, I did Go not back have my eyes and look. on him. He did not look like himself. So he's not – He's not. well, I know Coach says no one's 100% at this point in the season anyway. But Galladay was not himself yet. I thought he made two very nice contested catches yep. that were important gains. So once again, the contested catch by Ingram for the touchdown and then two contested catches by Galladay, which were also critical to field position, if nothing else. They were making plays for their quarterback. He was putting the ball pinpoint where it had to be to give his chance, his guy a chance to fight for the ball and make the play can't say enough about Jones outside of that one fumble, which is on him, and that's a black mark. You know, we, we both discussed this, John. There are some fumbles that are worse than others. That was a bad fumble. Yep. That's a bad, bad fumble. But everything else Daniel Jones did yesterday, including the scramble for the first down, was terrific. Yeah, I don't think he put the ball into danger once, did he? No. 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 Not that I can remember. And, um, you know, so I thought it was an excellent game plan. High level of execution, 
and the Giants got what they deserved yesterday. And that's that's pretty darn cool. 201-939-4513. Let's open up the phones. We'll take your calls right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, 23-16, the Giants win. And then, Paul, it's, it's always good you know, coming off, going into the bye here with a win to give you at least some good feelings for two weeks. And then, of course, you got to deal with the Buccaneers when yeah, they come back well, here, which is They're playing Washington want. Sunday. It ought to be interesting to see if Washington can physically give them a bit of a hard time. Well, on the other part, too, remember, they had a lot of injuries at receiver heading yep. into the bye. So we got to yep. see how healthy they are, too, coming out of it. Imagine asking Washington for a little bit of uh, physical help. They hate doing that. Well, their defense has not been good this year, much well, to all of our out. surprise. Yeah, yes. Sweat's got well, a fractured he, jaw. He broke his jaw. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that. I would say that's not a I lot. I mean, of how's fun. he going to eat pizza? I'm sure he's trying not to. He's trying to try to cut down on the carbs, Paul. <laughs> the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated or at greater risk from COVID-19, protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Don't miss out on a return to New York Giants football. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your season tickets. Or if you want, you can take in all your Giants football from a private suite. Both ways, they're a great way to entertain the family and friends and have some fun while you're rooting on the Giants at MetLife Stadium. You can speak to a Giants ticket representative now or a Giants suite representative by calling 888-NYG-1925. Let's go to Ralph in Florida first. He will lead us off on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Ralph? Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Uh, Just a happy Giants fan. You know, finally got Finally won a a nail-biter. We always lose a nail-biter. Finally won a nail-biter. I, my first point is that, to me, the safeties won this game for us yesterday. I mean, of course, McKinney with the two big picks, but I think the biggest play of the game, I don't even think you guys mentioned, was that Logan Ryan tackle on Josh Jacobs. Now, Paul mentioned under, it. Under, like, the seventh yard line. Yeah, Paul mentioned it. Yep. That, yeah, that play, I mean, goodness gracious, that was huge. That was huge because, I mean, if he doesn't stop him there, basically they're, walking, they're, they're probably going in for a touchdown. That play was so big, and I think that then the response that the Giants actually, when he missed the field goal, drove it down and got their field goal to go up 23-17. Another, you know, little things like, I mean, the offense didn't play great. Of course it did. Jason Garrett, a couple bad play calls. I mean, the third and two, the the, the Wildcat with, with Kadarius Tony right there. I wouldn't give the ball to Kadarius Tony and make him make a decision. Is the linebacker crashing? And, or do I hand it off or do I go? Because at third and two, I don't think – that's the time for Kadarius Tony to do that play. But besides all that, the third and eight plays by Daniel Jones with the yes, I mean, it would have worked, but it didn't. But I'm saying that Daniel Jones' third and eight plays where he's getting basically zero, zero blitz coming at him and he makes a throw to Galladay. Then he makes a throw to Tony. And then he makes, I mean, it's just plays like that that you say to yourself, okay, listen, Daniel Jones can make every throw in the book. Can we get some players? Can we get some offensive lines? Can we get some some plays where we can show his ability? And I just feel like the Giants' offense did enough. They got the field goals. They got the points in the game just to keep the lead going. They never, like, they gave up the lead before half, and they just kept adding. You know, after the interception, they kept kicking. They kicked the field goal. They kicked the field goal. So, I guess, you know, again, they kept the lead, and they made the game where it was seven points instead of three to, to, for, for, for the Raiders to win. And I just thought to me, a, good, a win is a win. Ugly, fair, ugly win, ugly, pretty. It doesn't matter. It's a win is a win. Going into the bye week, 
make him feel good. I'll take my answers off the air. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> Appreciate the call. And, look, I, I think he did not hit on two drives, Paul, that were big. That drive right after the Raiders' field goal that cut the lead to 17-16. Then they came down, they went all the way from their own 25-yard line, and they drove down all the way into Raiders' territory. They got into the red zone, they ended up kicking that field goal. That, uh, that was a big... No, no, right? no. Is no, that I'm, the one you're talking I'm, about? I'm talking about the Giants' drive off of the Raiders' made oh, field oh, goal. Oh, yeah. They okay. ended up giving them the 2016 lead. Yep. They went all the way down. And then, frankly, after that uh, second McKinney interception... You know, Eli Penny had those two big runs, one for 11 yards, one for 12 yards. He broke a tackle on the second mm-hmm. one right on the outside. For some reason, the tackle also kind of ran into his own defensive end. It was a weird tackle attempt. But <laughs> it, it wasn't it. It was a strange tackle yeah. attempt. But <laughs> th- those were two big runs to set up that field goal because then the Raiders, you know, a, t- a touchdown would only tie the game. It wouldn't give them the win, which could have been huge if you got into that situation where they did happen to score on that final drive. Well, think about this, John. And there were two points I'm going to make. One's going to be real quick. And that is it's 20 to 16 Giants at that point after McKinney's second pick, right? And the Giants are at midfield. Now, how many times have we seen the Giants in that situation and said to the offense, do something with the ball here so that the defense doesn't feel like its head is in a vice? All right, get them some more points or get some time off the clock. Do something to help them out. Don't go three and out and give the ball back to the other guys, which is what the Giants offense usually does. But as you pointed out, Penny goes for 11 and 12 on his first two carries, gets them into field goal range. Now, they don't do much after they get into range, and they settle for the field goal to make it a seven-point game with three and a half minutes to go. Now, you've done two things with that field goal. You've forced the Raiders to get a touchdown to force overtime, and you've also drained some time off the clock so that, you know, they had to go to a little bit of a hurry-up attack. So, so that was really good. So I'm with you and the caller on that. But I want to bring up something I brought up on the postgame show. We talk about the double dip all the time and how the Giants had been so bad earlier this year, six different times, allowing the opposition to score in the final moments of the second quarter. Well, in this particular case, between the middle of the second quarter and the middle of the third quarter, Derek Carr had the ball for 13 minutes of consecutive snaps, 28 snaps, during which the Raiders had three drives for a total of over 140 yards, and they only got two field goals out of it. And during that 13-minute stretch where Daniel Jones never touched the ball, the Giants outscored the Raiders 7-6. to six. It was a field goal, a pick six for McKinney, and a field goal. I can't tell you the last time I've seen something like that happen in a football game. It's nice to be on the other side of team being unable to score in the red zone, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> it's just amazing what a difference it makes. It Giants really does. were 0 for 2 in the red zone again yesterday. Let's not forget yeah. that. 201-939-4513. And I, I honestly didn't mind the, the Tony play on that third and two. I didn't. You've been running the ball so well. You gave him a little bit of a different look. I thought Carl Nassib just made a great play. He played. He did. He, 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 he played the fake outside on the read option, and then he crashed down on Tony. I thought he just made a really good play. I wonder if they would have just been better off, though, trying to muscle it with the beef instead of putting Tony back there and hoping that his quicks could get the yardage. If it was third and one, yes. Third and two, I think, is a little bit of a yeah, different scenario. The way they were bit. running it? Hmm. 201-939-4513. Debatable. Paul, and yeah, it, it, it's debatable. But I, I just hate, oh, it's a bad play call because it didn't work. 
No, I because, you know me better than that, John. No, no, I will no, never oh, no. second guess. No, no, I know you're not, but I think that's what the caller was saying. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Paul in Dallas. Paul's up next. Paul, what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? How We're you, good. How, how you guys Hi. doing? Hey, um, well, I'll just, um, I guess I'm going to be the, uh, the the center today um, because <laughs> because I, I think I see things a little bit differently. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like Daniel Jones played a great game yesterday um, within the game plan. No, he and, was fine. I mean, Based running, on what they asked him to do, he was fine. Right. I, I, I think I, – I, actually, I think he was excellent. I think he was I think he was as efficient as he needed to be outside of the one fumble. But beyond that, I think he was really, really good. I also think that, obviously, the running game was great. You know, and the defense – I mean, Patrick Graham, you know, he, he put out a masterpiece yesterday. But I think I think we're no, 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 Paul, hold on, Paul, hold on, Paul, hold on, hold on, one second. I have to fight you on that a little bit. The Raiders okay. had over 400 yards of offense. It's not a I masterpiece. If you give up 400 well, yards of offense, it's not a masterpiece. Well, I, I understand that as well. But you got to understand as well. They were they were playing the game. Okay, and they they made and designed a specific game plan for the Raiders. They tried yeah. to keep everything in front of them, and they tried to keep them out of the end zone. And they accomplished those two feats. I think the, the where the failure was yesterday was Garrett in the play calling. And I have defended Garrett all year long. But I'm sorry, some of those plays for Tony were absolutely ridiculous. I think we're setting up Tony in, in a way. Sometimes you just need to throw him the ball. He's a wide receiver. I understand that he can do all of this other trick stuff. But when you line him up in the Wildcat, okay, and, and you set him up on, on third and two, okay, you're setting, and you're setting him up to run, you're focusing the entire defense's attention onto him, and 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 they're looking exactly for that. Sometimes you need to just run him out wide and throw him the ball. I I understand that you know maybe you might feel that Galladay didn't look 100, percent but if he's on the field, he should be playing, and we should be throwing him the ball as much as possible. We're paying him like a number one, and yes, he can go up. He's consistently shown that even this year that he can go up and make those contested catches. So why aren't we throwing him the ball more? Well, 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 well think, Paul, Paul, the only way you throw those guys the ball more is if you throw the ball more, period. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think Do you think it was a good idea to throw the ball more? No, 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 no. Do you think it was a good idea to throw the ball more against Yannick and Gotway and Max Crosby, who was murdering your offensive tackles the whole game? Well, but you also got to understand that we also had the play-action game set up, the, the play-action pass game set up with the running game that we had going. I looked it up. They ran nine play-action passes yesterday. Half of their passes were play-action passes. Yeah, nine, they only nine, took 20 attempts. Uh, yeah, and how, many, and how many were they successful on? I can give you their numbers on the play-action pass. I have to look it up, but I can give it to you. Well, See, well, I think, I mean, I think I mean, the problem is philosophically, and I get this because most people are not old school, the Giants dialed back football and played old school 1980s football yesterday. They decided that the right. best way to win this game was to play smash mouth, bully ball on offense, okay, not take many risks, and then defensively force the Raiders into being patient and potentially right. being forced into making mistakes. And those this was old-fashioned 1980s football. And those things are linked, Paul, because if you, sure they because are. If right. you play a bend-but-don't-break defense, Absolutely but then your right. offense can't give you field position and they turn it over, Right. Then, then your whole defense strategy is down the drain. So I would say, right. caller, here's the thing. You should give them a standing ovation for going back to the 80s, bringing out the old VHS tapes, being smart enough 
to know that that was the best way to win the game and then give the players a standing ovation for executing it. And the Giants, now, and the Giants, right. by the way, just for the record, were 6 of 7 for 47 yards on their play-action passes. See, right. it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, it, it and it wasn't, wasn't meant to be on SportsCenter. It wasn't meant to be on SportsCenter. It was meant to I win the game. I I don't, I don't want anything to win on SportsCenter. What I want to do is be able to win and put the game, put the game away when the, ball, when the game is on the line. Okay, and they struggled doing that yesterday. We talked about, you just talked about how um, the Raiders had, uh, you know, red zone uh, touchdown problems, you know, against us. We also had red zone problems. We've had red zone problems all year. And that's and fair. we also had them that's in this fair. game. That's fair. And we should have been able to put that. We had two, three drives when we could have put the game away by, by 11. We could have been up by 11 and put the game completely away with, like, four minutes left in the game. But we kept kicking field goals. We were unable to, you know, punch the ball in. And that's really what I want to see. Everything and that's else, okay. All you guys, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. I agree with everything that you guys said. But I wanted to see them punch the ball oh, in. And I that's to, fair. I want to see them. That is fair. And, 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 and that's my only point. Guys, and no, no, before you, say, go, I'm, I'm before, you go. No, before yeah. you go, I think Joe Judge is telling his players the same thing today. I really do. Absolutely. All right, great game plan, great execution, but we could have made it easier on ourselves if we had just done even better. I'm sure that's what Coach is telling them. Right, absolutely. So so you're not not off base. You um, you know, I live here in Dallas. You know, it's it's hard being a Giants fan in Dallas, so you got to make it easier. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. Great call, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Great. Absolutely. No, look, and 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 if and if the beef is execution in the red zone, all right, that's cool. I, I get that. You want to complain about zero for two and the issues in the red zone all year? Fair game. That's absolutely fair game, Paul. Yeah, but it I, is. I, I will give you just real quickly. I'm going to give you the two red zone pos- uh, possessions the Giants had. Mm-hmm. They had it first and ten on the Raiders twenty. That was their. I think that's their second and last red zone possession. If I'm looking at this right, I'm looking here. Let's see. I think it is. Yes, that that was their second red zone possession in the fourth quarter. I'll work backwards here. Oh, I'm in the second quarter. Okay. So okay. So I'll do this one. You do the other one. So in the fourth quarter here, this is the second one. They had a first and ten on the Raiders twenty. They run it once for five yards to make it second and five. You run it again on second down. And again, the way they're running the ball here, I don't have a problem with that as much as I'm a play action on first down type of guy, and, and I like doing that. The way they're running the ball, no problem with that. So you get into a third and three, right? Then on that third and three play, they try to pass the football, and Solder and Parrot both get beat. Jones has to scramble. He runs right into Solomon Thomas, and that's when Jones literally had to chuck it out of bounds as he was being dragged to the ground on that little rollout to the right after mm-hmm. he got pressured. So, mm-hmm. again, but you try to throw too much sometimes, the pass pressure becomes a problem. So what happened on the on, on the first red zone possession? Uh, second quarter, well, second quarter, they had the ball uh, first down at the Raiders 21, and uh, Booker gets three yards up the middle. Second and seven, oh, the Gakway comes off the edge. So both, both were short-circuited by pass pressure. Exactly. And this was a clean sack uh, for some reason. Matthew Perch just didn't pick him up. No, I can tell you why. It I, looked I, like it looked like him and um, oh my goodness, uh, him Skura. and uh, Skura, Skura. They 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 kind of blocked the same guy. No, what happened on that play? And Howard Carl and I talked about this on, oh, during well, the broadcast. Tell, tell me what he said. So we all think what happened is that they the, thought it was a twist. 
that I think was actually the play too. I think it was supposed to be a twist where the defensive tackle comes out, tries to mm-hmm. engage pair, and Ngakwe comes around to the inside, right? But I think Ngakwe he saw, got tripped up like well, Ngakwe saw that pair had committed so hard to the DT. He didn't like, twist. Why am I going to twist? And he just ah! went. So Parrot was playing the twist. He okay. His eyes left Ngakwe so early yep. in the play. And then Ngakwe just came off the edge and no one was there. So, yeah. that, so that's what we think happened on the play. I think that's a that's a pretty good assessment there, John, because, I yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, it looks like they're looking for a twist, and it looks like they want to run a twist through the Raiders. And then Ngakwe, he hesitates. He looks yeah. like he sees the traffic. No, he faked it. It's almost and like then, he faked and it. Then, and then goes outside. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that kind of ruined the Giants because it put him in a third and 11. Jones scrambles for five. And by the way, that scramble was the result of what? Pass pressure. Yes, it was. And then the field goal. So, I mean, it is what it is. But how about the two things that you have to like about what they did? Number one, how many weeks have I been saying score from outside the red zone? Well, the Ingram touchdown pass was 30 yards. Take a shot for the end zone. When you get to the 35, 40-yard line, take a shot. And they did. They usually don't do that, John, but they did. So that was a big plus. The other big plus I give Jason Garrett the last couple of weeks now, this is three weeks in a row, the tight ends have been involved in scoring. Rudolph had a touchdown taken away a couple weeks back, had a two-point conversion. Two weeks ago, both tight ends caught a touchdown pass. Yesterday, tight end catches a touchdown pass. All of a sudden, we're, we're starting to see a few things get uh, get tightened up. And so I, I, I understand 0 for 2 in the red zone, not great. Uh, some issues with the pass pro. But I did see some tweaks made in the game plan offensively that made me feel better. All right, let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Joe. Hey, hey guys. Great to get a win. Uh, I thought Thory Jackson had one of his best games so far as a giant. Yeah, I agree. Up. I thought he played well. You know what I mean? Uh, That's the guy they paid for right there yesterday. Yep, uh, um, yep. it's about okay. He looked aggressive and all running there. Uh Green passes and dumps off the, the last two games. I think that's the best I've seen the Giants do it in uh, many a times. I think their game plan wasn't much different than Kansas City. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that much that, different. No, you're right. No, and uh, I think Kansas, Kansas City scored once or twice more in the red zone where we were lucky they didn't. I don't like that where – we let them just go down to the 20-yard line, and then our defense has to, you know what I mean, make stands there in the red zone. You're not going to have 0 for 6 or 0 for 7 or whatever it was or no, 1 for – I think that's fair, Joe. I think that's You're fair. not going to have that. You know, we have to get a little more aggressive and make a stand outside the red zone here. Well, the problem, Joe, bit. is that if you try to do that, then you start risking giving up big plays. Well, so there, well, there's a balance. I understand, but you know what I mean? They're just slicing this going down right down the field. They were down there in no time again, and that happened the same thing in the Kansas City game. And before that, too, on offense, we were, like the last caller was says we were, were we were definitely not aggressive enough receivers ain't running they're running two or three yards short of the first down just like sterling Shepard did and uh 
you know, in this game, too, I forget there, there was a couple of them where they just ran short of that first down. Were there? And uh, I thought there was. I thought our tight end caught one. He was just short of it. Uh, the guy Yesterday? Came, I don't remember I that, believe. but I can look back. All right. Well, I, I'm going I through my notes Minnesota, now. I, I think in that last drive where they, we came up just short of the first down there, I, I believe. But anyway, he's not aggressive enough. I think we took off the gas and we put the pressure right back on the defense there. Nothing there in the, nothing there in okay. the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, okay, but we definitely ain't aggressive enough. I didn't like the play calling. I don't even know where Daniel threw it way down the field. I didn't even see anybody close. You know what I mean? At least go to one of your bigger, the, the tight end or the all day to give him a shot on on a slant or something Well, well like Joe, that. I think on the play you're talking about, that was a miscommunication between Galladay yeah. and Jones where Galladay ran a short route and Jones yep. threw it deep. Yep. Well, I just said the last time, too, uh, in the, the Kansas City game there, the last drive, we weren't aggressive enough. We just gave them the ball right Oh, now back you're going back a week. I, Joe. Well, <laughs> and this week was the same thing, I, I, but this look. week... This week we came out lucky, I thought, Paul. We, we With all them shots in the red zone, you know, we we ain't going to be able to just keep living and beating teams like that. that okay, in the red but zone. Here, Joe, here's the thing you got to understand, all right? The Giants are coming from a position of, of weakness in that they had lost so many offensive players early I, in the year. I, I, they I had played – do you, know, you know this is – they just got done playing three straight games with the same five offensive linemen playing every snap. Hey, hey, okay, no, that that's a big deal, and that and helps you say, grow. I, and, by I the way, Andrew Thomas team. hopefully will be back after the bye, which mm-hmm. will allow them, Joe. No, once I, you get Andrew Thomas back, then I think you can be a little bit more aggressive sure. because you have uh, okay. one really good I, left tackle. I just wanna, and Barkley? I just say, I just and Shepard? I just two, two here before I, I get cut off. If Daniel Jones played like Carr yesterday, who's supposed to be so good this year and everything, they'd have a cross for him. They'd have one for Gettleman and for Judge because for we'd have blew that game. If he would have threw two interceptions like that, missed the player down the field sure. on an open pass, and then fumbled the ball, they, oh, my God, he'd be out for sure today. Okay, but if you he, know what, Joe? Thank you, Joe. Derek, Appreciate the call. Derek Carr, John, threw the ball 46 times yesterday. How many times have we discussed on this program when Eli would throw the ball 42 times a pop and we kept saying, you know what, that's not going to win you a lot of games, especially with the kind of team that the Giants had. Same situation. The Giants are in no position to have Daniel Jones throwing 46 passes in a game. That would be a dreadful mistake and a surefire way to lose. Now, again, I think you might be able to do more of that once you get Andrew Thomas back in there. But with 46? The I mean, that's a lot of passes. It depends on the nature of the passes. It depends on the flow of the game, all, all that sort of I stuff. I get it. Do you go into the game saying, I want to throw it 46 times? No. No. You do not. Never. Correct. Never. But, look, I do think once you get Thomas back and you get – one guy that you feel confident that you can leave out on an island and then help out on the right side, mm-hmm. I think you feel better about what you have pass protection-wise, and then you can do some more of those things where you can do more of the things you did, like in the Saints game, right, where, you, where you're being a little bit more aggressive going down the field. Yeah. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Well, and let's not kid ourselves. Again, when you put Thomas out there with a healthier Galladay, I told you I don't think he was really right yesterday, plus Shepard, plus Barkley, Come on, man. They were still playing with half a gun yesterday. Now, do you think that Tony looks right 
he looks fine to me. I, 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 he doesn't look like he's like. I, I think Tony's okay. I don't think Galladay is. Okay. No, because a couple people ask me what because he only played fifty five percent of the snaps. I know him and Slate. I know they played so many two and three tight ends, and this is going to be up on my. Uh, game analysis, which is going to go up as soon as Paul's finished proofreading it uh, after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, I get to it, John. No, I, I know you it. will. I know you will. Um, but they played Paul either two tight ends, three tight ends, or th- that one three running back play. I threw that in there, too. Why not? Right. They did that on more than half their snaps. More well, than half. So if they're going to do that on more than half their snaps, and you want to get Slayton and Gaude and you know Tony all on the field— those guys are not going to have huge snap counts because you have so many right. tight ends on the field. You have to, you know, if you're going to pay Peter, you got to take from Paul. Right. I mean, th- this this was the trade-off in going to the throwback 1980s game plan that they wanted to implement, thinking it would give them the best chance to win. I put up on, on my Twitter this morning, Corey Cunningham played jumbo tight end for 13 snaps. Now, I will say which this. Which was 23% of their game. The reason. Of, of their offensive snaps. He would yeah. not have played that many if Caden Smith didn't leave the game. With right. the concussion. I think right. that I think he probably still would have had a handful, but I think they probably would have used Caden Smith a lot in three tight end and three true tight end situations. And Cunningham got a lot of those nasty because Smith got hurt. All due respect to Caden Smith, I think it worked out better for the Giants. Because Cunningham allowed them to play more of the bully ball that they were able to execute. And I'm not I'm not gonna take anything away from Caden Smith. I think he's a solid player. He's a good blocker, man. He does he does a lot of things well, but no, he's not gonna be a better blocker than Corey Cunningham. If you're gonna load up with a jumbo package, this was a, a move made out of necessity, but I'm gonna tell you, I think it turned out for the better for them. And I like Caden Smith. You know that, John. But he's come on. I, I love the beef. I love the jumbo package. You can't take the 1980s out of Paul Dottino. No, you can't. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Scott, what's going on? Uh, first of all, before everybody gets too excited, uh, the Giants still only had one offensive touchdown yesterday. No, 100%. And, and that's pretty poor. Uh, yes. I thought actually the play that actually probably won the game for the Giants had nothing to do with the Giants. It was that missed field goal from about 25 yards out, and I thought that was the Well, Scott, there was, there was a reason at the end of the recap I said, look, the last two weeks the Giants offense has scored 17 points and 16 points, and I'm not sure if that's a sustainable way to win, and I think right. that's a fair I point. I agree. Half a bullet's in the chamber still. Let's not forget that. Right. And I want to address two issues. Uh, one is I thought the announcer said that the Giants – special teams had the worst special teams record so far as penalties in the league. Was that true? Uh, I don't know I, if you have the statistics. I don't have that. special team penalty numbers. Yeah, Paul, I have you? that. I do, but let me let me dig into my file here to find it for you. I don't have that, Scott. Go ahead. Keep, I, keep talking, and I'll, and I'll get it for you. <laughs> Especially with Joe Judge as a coach to have the worst. No, I understand that. Number of I understand that. And special teams. So what's going on with them? And then the second part, I wanted to use, John, your analogy that you like to use all the time, which is your PPD or production per dollar. Mm -hmm. On offense, forgetting injuries because injuries are injuries. There's really nothing you can do about that. Can you pick out more than one or two players on the offensive side that have earned or 
using your formula are are production per dollar worthy. Yeah, but Scott, uh, the problem is that all the money they spent on offense are the guys that are hurt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, seriously, like, uh, like, like Scott, all jokes aside, Galladay, hurt. Shepard, hurt. Right. <laughs> um, Ingram, first-round pick. He missed the first few games of the year. Kadarius yeah. Tony, first-round pick. He was I mean, hurt. Andrew Thomas is their highest-paid right. offensive tackle. He's hurt. So, I mean, I mean, look, I, I get your point. You're not wrong. But then you're not getting the PPD out of him because they're all injured. Throw it out there, right? I got it. Scott, Scott I, I got your number. The Giants, sure. the Cardinals, and the Texans all share the lead with 12 special teams penalties. Where do you find that, Paul? Okay. I'm just curious. There's a, there's a penalty site uh, that you can go to. I'll okay. talk, talk yeah, about it later. Yeah, yeah. So how do you explain that? Because obviously Joe Judge was a special teams coach, and he stresses that. And yet here we are. This is, you know, we're half, basically halfway through the season, and your special teams are still not performing the way they're supposed to which is, to me, imbecilic because you have one of the best special teams coaches in the league uh, coaching the Giants, and yet you have one of the worst special teams uh, in, the, in the league, which doesn't make sense, and I'm trying to put the two together. Now remember, Scott, that doesn't necessarily mean you have the worst special teams in no. the league. It just means you have the most special teams penalties. Those right. technically are yeah. two different things. They're two okay. very different things. Okay, but what's causing all the penalties then? You know, is it just lack of uh, people not doing the job or, or the coaches themselves or, or what? Because there's got to be a rationale to it. It just doesn't happen like that. So uh, that was my basic question. And then overall for the Giants as we move forward, the formula, uh, which I always thought was a good thing to do, was to run the football. If you can run the football and play good defense, you're at least in every game. And I think Booker had close or over 100 yards uh, yesterday. You know, he had 100, and then he got caught for a three-yard loss on his last run. He finished with 99. But he was pretty close. And Penny had a couple of rushes, and they were over 100. So they were over 100 yards. Is this the formula that they're going to have to use for the rest of the season, or is this uh, just an anomaly? Because yesterday the league was crazy. I mean, if you saw all the games, none of the games made any sense. Crazy week. But... But using the formula, Paul, that you were alluding to, the bully ball type of thing, running the football, which is always I thought was a good idea. Having balance, of course, is better. But if you don't have the offensive line that you need to, to, to keep pass rushers out, then is this the formula that they'll have to adapt for the rest of the season? Scott, and it's a matchup league. Thank you, Scott. And, Appreciate you know, I'll take Thanks again. Each and every week, you have to look at the matchups. We don't look. For all we know, Tom Brady will get hurt against Washington and may not play in two weeks against the Giants. How do you know? You know, it's a matchup league. Every week when, when you get to Monday and the coordinators sit down with the head coach and they say, look, we got to figure out the framework for the game plan. What do we want to accomplish this week? And what are the paths to victory? I mean, that's when you figure it out. You don't sit here today and say, well, this worked yesterday. This looks like a good idea. Let's run with this the rest of the season. You can't do that. I will say this, though, Paul. I think the hope would be that Garrett has more options on the table yeah. as more guys come back from the injured list. I know you talked about Barkley and Shepard matters, too. But really, the most important guy to me is still Andrew Thomas. Look, you, you can live without one of these wide receivers. They, they have the four wide receivers that can all play and you have confidence in, right? If you're missing one out of those four, you can live with that. Now, once you start losing two or three, then that's a different conversation. But some of those guys have come back already. So, to me, the big one's Andrew Thomas. And it's really hard 
to operate offensively when you cannot trust to do a straight drop back pass and you have to help both your tackles. It's just a hard way to operate in the National Football League. It's hard. It's a really hard thing to do. So for me, that's how I look at it. Once Thomas gets back and you're okay leaving him out there on an island to, to do his thing, I'm assuming he's going to keep playing as well as he did to start the year. That, to me, is the big difference, and that will open up a lot of things for you offensively. I'm going to even double down on what you just said, John, because I agree with your premise. But I'm going to double down, and the Giants had their most success last year when they ran the ball, running behind left, uh, left, left tackle Andrew Thomas. He is big, and he's strong, and he is a freaking bulldozer out there. And so as much success as he's had in pass protection over the second half of last year and then earlier this season, he also is a major force in the run game. The Giants have more success running behind him than they do running behind any one of their other offensive linemen. So yesterday, they actually ran right extremely well. Well, Yesterday, yes. Yeah. Yesterday, they did. But on the whole, Correct. since the middle of last year, they were best served running behind Thomas. Yeah, one of the best plays was you pull Hernandez into that hole right mm-hmm. behind Thomas, and that was mm-hmm. that was their, you know, power counter play that they used Correct. a lot. And, you know, you don't want, you don't want, if you're a defensive player, you don't want Andrew Thomas coming at you like a freight train and then Will Hernandez following him up on his on his inside shoulder. That's that's not something you want to see. 201-939-4513. Uh, we have a couple of the lines, folks. We'll probably take two more calls. So if you want to get in, feel free to give us a call. We'll try to squeeze you in before we say goodbye. Rick in Tampa is up next. Rick, what's going on, man? I hope Rick's a little calmer than he was on last week's call. Rick, what's up? Yeah. John, you know, I'm very calm. Other than the Knicks inconsistency, which I'm now dealing with, we have. Oh. I'm not happy with that loss last night, and but that's uh, that's another day. Another Let's get night. one tonight, okay? Uh, well, they better. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the Sixers are missing like four of their best players. I mean, really. And Bede's not playing. Harris isn't playing. Simmons isn't playing. Right. You better win tonight. Beat them into the hardwood. Yeah, Philadelphia's been playing good. So, I mean, you come off that uh, uh, Milwaukee game and then you lose that. You know, just consistency. Anyway, I, I, I'm I'm hearing a lot of these calls in the post game last night as well as how I upset some people still are. I mean, I am very excited about that game yesterday for a lot of reasons. For the one reason right off the bat of watching on ESPN, they showed the actual playoff scenario. They have Atlanta and a wild card. Oh, in oh, four, oh no, no. Rick, don't go there. Don't go there, please. Not, not yet. Not I'm yet. A, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I can go there. <laughs> okay. You guys so you, can't you go had there me yet. at the not beginning. I, I was going to say you had me at the beginning because you loved old school football, and and for that I could give yeah. you a big hug. But then you started going playoffs, that. and I can't accept that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean just, but, the, the, Rick, really quickly, really quickly, just so fans don't get out of control. Right now, the Falcons are four and four. They are literally they have the tiebreaker against the Giants. They have the last wild card, yes, they do. and they have two fewer losses. And by the way, okay. in addition to that, there are one, two, three, four, five other teams besides them that currently have better a better record than the Giants. So just go out there, win your games, and that's all you can do. Don't worry about okay. anything right. else. I I love Booker. 100 yards rushing. I'd love to have it, and I, uh, you know, I kill Ingram all the time. I love seeing his production. I love that. I'm not expecting miracles with the offense right now. We have Andrew Thomas out. We have Barkley out. Galladay's not 100%. 
they're gonna. I feel they're gonna be back after the bye, and that can only be a positive. Mm-hmm. The, the the defensive lineman on that last play. Uh, what's his name? Who got the sack? The strip sack O'Shea? at the end of the game. I was. Yeah, you got him, and you, the the four linemen that were actually out on that play. It says to where this team is going with our defensive line, which is promising that maybe we have some talent there that we uh, are, could be stepping up. And the way the the interceptions are catching the ball, come on, that's a good thing. I think Graham had a decent game plan. Yes, we need. I love what Carl said yesterday about our offensive. Uh, play calling is that you know what when we get down to the 20 yard line we get in the red zone we need to just forget these red zone plays and just keep doing what we've been doing and i agree with them maybe that is somehow could help them because it's been miserable on the red zone but uh maybe that's an option but i've been very excited with that and i think andrew thomas is going to be back barkley's going to be back i'll be much better shepherd's going to be back that i believe and uh, with when uh dan has time more time, I think that's an exciting scenario, and I like what they're doing. I, I still disagree. You know, I don't like Gettleman. I don't like what he's done, but, hey, I, I don't like the penalties that this other caller said on the special teams. Yes, I think there's some bonehead plays that definitely have to be cleaned up, but I'm looking at this as a positive, positive scenario going forward, and I'm not, I feel a lot better than I did two weeks, the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't you agree that it, things are look up a teeny bit after that win? Well, I mean, of course. I mean, look, you win the game, and you feel better about it. But look, and I, I'm going to use this as, a, as an example as to why I think I, I tend to drive fans nuts sometimes because I try not to get too high after wins and too low after losses. Paul, in the end, the big difference between this game against the Raiders and last week's game against the Chiefs was literally two or three plays. Like, that's it. Right. That that was the right. difference. It was a couple of interceptions, a Roche sack. The Raiders, you know, don't convert a, a touchdown in the red zone one time when the Chiefs did last week. And that's the difference in the game. And it, it, there's just not a – and this goes back to the point that I made a couple weeks ago where Joe Judge says results are, 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 are like the ultimate deception when evaluating your team. Because there's not a whole lot of different – between what the Giants did last week against the Chiefs and what the Giants did this week against the Raiders. Yeah, there's things here or there, that, you know, but really in the end, it's a few plays here or there that is the difference between a 23-16 to win and a 20-17 to defeat. And people that lose their mind after the defeat but then throw a parade after the win, I just don't look at it that way. Yes, the result's different, but with the way the team played and the analysis of how they played – they played a little bit better this week, sure, no doubt about it. They ran the ball better. They had fewer mistakes, that sort of thing. But in the end, it's really not that big of a difference in the performance is Rick, what I'm saying. Rick, can I introduce yes. you to the quicksand of mediocrity? Because yes. <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's what it's all about. It's the quicksand of mediocrity when just a couple of plays here or there changes your one-loss record dramatically. And at the one axiom, you know, Carl Banks calls me the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, Parcells whisperer because I'm constantly quoting Bill because I learned so much of my football from Bill Parcells. Well, Bill was wrong about one thing when he says your record is, you know, you are what, you, what your record says you are. Bill was wrong about that because in today's NFL, he was right about it in the 80s, but in today's NFL – For instance, the Cowboys are not as good as their record. They're a fraud. We all know that. We saw it yesterday against Denver. 
I mean, there are teams that have outstanding records that were lucky to get two or three gift victories and teams that have poor records that were screwed on two or three weeks where they should have had wins. That's the way this league is right now. So, you Mm -hmm. know, Bill was right then. But today, that axiom no longer applies. Right. I let me just say this, and I'll let you guys go because we're at the end of the time. But let, Giants have not been typically good coming out of the bye over the years. Uh, I I think with uh, getting Andrew Thomas back, let's hope it, and getting and I'm hoping Barkley back as well. And like I said, the healthy players get Shepard back. If this is a time for Joe Judge to change a lot of people's thoughts about him, as well as Graham, and even will you know got to give Garrett, uh, he's got to change things definitely. But to be prepared to play this meaningful, well they're all meaningful, but this huge game against these guys that I hate to even talk about down here, who have a great team, if we could go out there guns flying and beat Tampa, what a change this season will be. And that's what I'm hanging my hat on this week, and I know we'll be talking again, but I feel very good about that. And if those guys come back, I know you'll be filling us in the rest of the week, Thomas and them. Um, I think this is going to be a chance for Judge to shine and change a lot of the attitude towards him and the coaching staff that they get this team ready to come up with something to beat the beat the Buccaneers. So that's it. So Thanks, I'm, Rick. I'm, I'm off the couch. I'm off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will see you down there in Tampa in a couple weeks, Rick. Appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. Right. Thank you. He's off the couch. <laughs> so – when do you think, Paul, yeah. we might get the Andrew Thomas back at practice entering that window to return back from injury reserve? Do you think he's going to practice today Man. or tomorrow, or do you think they're going to wait till next Monday? Well, just so the fans out there know, the Giants are going to practice Tuesday and Wednesday and then be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, just so fans understand what's going on. And John, by the way, by the way, and just I'll take the opportunity. Yeah. We will also be off Thursday and Friday this week, so there will be no big blue kickoff live on Thursday or Friday. I will repeat that multiple times over the next couple of days, just so people understand. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Can, can they do without us, John? I they well they they're gonna have to because it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I honestly I don't even want to venture a guess because as you know. Uh, once you activate a guy back to practice, there is no mandatory amount of practices that he must play before you put him on the game roster. So it really doesn't matter. It's it's really what the trainers want to do with him. But the fact that he will be eligible for the Tampa game is certainly a good sign, but I can't even venture a guess as to when he would be back out there on the field. I'll tell you what, though. I'd like to believe that both Barkley and Shepard have a real chance to play against the Bucks. I'd like to believe that. I, I don't know. We, we'd like to know more, but I'd like to think that. And I, and I don't think Galladay's any worse for the wear yesterday. I don't think he was right, but I don't think he made himself any worse. Fair enough. So that'll be interesting to watch as we kind of head into this, Paul. We got two weeks here. Eyes on Saquon Barkley, eyes on Andrew Thomas, eyes on Sterling Shepard. Those are the three guys, right? I don't think there's anyone else here that we're really watching, correct? No, well, let's see. Well, Booker took a shot to the helmet in the fourth quarter of the game yesterday. He had to come out. Oh, I thought it was his back. Oh, uh, like the ribs. I, I thought it was the back of the head. Oh. The, I remember that you know the hit, John. Go back. You could take a look at it. He got a hit helmet to helmet. No, well, he he had he had an, he had X-rays on his hip after the game. 
Well, that that may have been, but I know he was when he got hit on the. Uh, let's see, here's the play. Yeah, it was Jonathan Abram came in late, and he and he kind of got right. Him right in the back. Yeah, it was uh, it was on a first and uh, first down from the Giants' own 31 with under nine minutes to go, and yeah, and he got and he got and if you watch when you're watching the tape, keep the volume up. Holy smokes! You hear the crack of those helmets. Yeah, he said he said in his presser after the game that he felt okay and it was technically okay. termed a hip injury. But you're right; I think that's something to keep an eye I, on. Too. I did not listen to his presser last night. It was one of the guys I missed, but I was concerned and I was hoping that over the next 48 hours he would not feel any symptoms. Yeah, I don't think that was a head injury, so I I, I think we're okay. going to be in the clear on that. Good, good. So I think that's about it, right, Paul? Otherwise, we're good. I think we're good. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Tomorrow it'll be Lance and Fiegels. Then Wednesday it'll be uh, Paul and Howard. And that'll be the rest of the shows this week on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, we're off on Thursday and Friday. And we'll be back on Monday. But stay tuned to the Giants Huddle Podcast. I'm going to try to get something with Carl Banks this week to fill the time. I'm going to have Lawrence Tynes on with Fiegels on an episode so they can can reminisce about kicking. That'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) And obviously, Lawrence does a podcast with Paul Schwartz as well, so we'll talk about the current team with him. And then maybe I'll try to get a player podcast in there, too, to give you something to listen to over the weekend as you, you know, get no BBK for a couple of days. Paul, good stuff. Absolutely, John. We'll see you tomorrow at 1230 for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Until then, have a good one.